Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, you guys, it's Anna David with After Party Pod. And hi, I'm recording this in the weirdest state I've ever been in. And that state is tired. I am never, ever tired. I can't remember if I've ever explained this to you guys, but basically I have more energy than I ever know what to do with. And I don't sleep terrifically well. And so my dream, the way I feel the best is, oh, God, if I'm watching a movie, I'm on the couch and I start to fall asleep. uh, It's like better than being on drugs. By the way, I took a lot of Ambien, so, you know, that might explain something there. But I'm just never tired. I work hard to get tired. I exercise a lot. I get up early, you know, earlier than I want to. And um, I can never manage it. And then today, I don't know what happened. Slept really well. I'm just, I'm just tired, and I'm in my office, and I went to go take a nap on a couch. I, I know I don't, my body won't take naps, but the fact that I wanted to was pretty cool. I mean, I closed my eyes for like five minutes, and um, and now I'm gonna leave work, try to maybe nap at home. I don't know. It's all very, very weird and cool. And I thought, why don't I record this intro while I'm just like barely conscious because, you know, it'll be more real. I don't know, something like that. Um, So anyway, uh, this episode you are about to listen to, I have another one of my writers on this. Uh, Last episode was Tracy Chabala. Uh, Today's episode is Amanda Fletcher. She is an editor at the site. And she also writes not enough because I give her so much editing work. She doesn't have time to, but she's an excellent writer. Funny. And we we talk about some of the stories she's written for the site in this episode. And the cool little surprise thing is that I brought Tracy back. And that's my new concept for the show is that I have the previous week's guests come back and help me interview the current week's guest. It's... It's not a shtick. It's just, I, I told you, I've been getting a little bored with the format. Um, I shared this concept with a friend of the show, friend of mine. She knows who she is. She was the very first person I knew who came up to me and said, hey, I listen to your podcast. I really like it. And she has been quite instrumental. I always get feedback on the guests. She is pretty much responsible for this excellent sound system we now have. Um, because she complained vociferously about the sound quality before. She wasn't that down with the concept of three people and talked about how, 
you know, it can be hard to tell who's talking and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, I'm open to, I've been having a lot more fun doing these with two people at a time. It's just less interviewee and, you know, better. So that you're about to hear, uh, been getting some great emails and, uh, even one that asked me to answer a question. Now, because I'm barely conscious, this might not be the best time to, maybe it is the best time to answer a question. Um, it's somebody who, who listens to the show who, who asked, how do you break up with a therapist? Uh, this particular therapist, it sounds like, has gotten a little people-pleasy and is less helpful and more just sort of you know, whatever, not being helpful. I don't want to give too many details of this uh, very sweet personal email, but I have been in this situation and I had a therapist. I would say I actively disliked this man. Haven't had a lot of male therapists. It's not that he was the only one. It just didn't work. Uh, I think that the personality of the therapist, in this case, my guy was I think depressed. And so his feedback was always very depressing. It's completely the opposite of the therapist I have now. But I, I mean, I, I'm sort of that weird codependent, which is to say I'm not codependent at all, except when it comes to certain people. Um, so I was just like, you know what, this is not working for me anymore. Um, uh, you know, but it is so much easier, I think, uh, and I don't think it's people pleasy to just say, you know, what? I, I think I feel sort of done with therapy for the moment. I am going to I'm going to take a break. Really grateful for all that you've given me. And um, yeah, that's that's my plan. It sounds really basic. I don't have any any good tricks or anything like that. But, you know, you are paying a person to help you. And if they are no longer helping you, you should not be paying them or going to them is my feeling. So, you know, and that therapist may work terrifically well for somebody else. I, you know, it just like dating, I think. I don't know. I told you I'm tired. Anyway, thank you so much uh, for that email. You know who you are. Thank you uh, to other emailers who are, who are giving great feedback some are saying they really like the relationship topic that we're going into more and more. That's going to keep, that's going to happen more and more. Today's episode is, I mean, there's a lot about addiction and stuff like that. But anyway, I hope you like it. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? So yeah, we're going. Oh, okay, and oh, when I say we, I mean Amanda Fletcher, who writes for the website, who's gone mute. Say hi. Hi. And and then we have last week's, when I say week, I mean two weeks ago, yes. uh, guest Tracy Chabala. Hello. And so she and I are going to chat with Amanda, and that's yes. the way, new way we're doing it. So Amanda, you have to come back and chat with a new guest. Excellent. I cannot wait. It's going to be a blast when you come back. <laughs> so we were just talking about um, taking people to meetings and how whenever I've done it, they've never come back again. 
Have, have, Tracy, have you had that? Taking people to meetings and not have the, um, no, actually. But most of the time, the people I take to meetings are from within the group, I have to say. I don't oh, well, I, I mean, like oh. the person who reaches out and goes, wait a minute, I'm kind of curious about this. Can I go with you? Right. Yeah, I, I've had like a couple people have done that, but they weren't sure if they had a problem and they kind of yeah. come and they're like, eh, I don't know. This is, you know, I don't know if I have a problem. I might come back. But it was a positive experience for them, I think. Mm. Meanwhile, Amanda single-handedly got somebody sober. Not that's not what she said. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> I kind of did because I was already like a year and a half sober and this person was, you know, rock bottom cocaine every five minutes and um she she didn't go to a meeting with me Mm -hmm. but it was like i i like to think that it was like my shining example of sobriety and 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 that was kind of like what was the impetus for her to go back into rehab and now she's a year and a half sober and it's an interesting jumping off point because i wanted to start by talking about so amanda wrote this story months ago because she is an editor at the site but she's a very talented writer, so we want her writing more for the site, but she pretty much ducks me every time I ask her to. Um, but she wrote the story that did super well. Talk yes. to, let's talk about that story. So um, I wrote a story about um, stupid shit that sober or people say to sober people um, because I think that what we, we call them normies. I think normies don't really understand like the whole kind of gig what happens. And I think a lot of people think that it's just kind of a phase that yeah. we go through. I know I was listening to the, the Amber podcast that you mm-hmm. did and you guys were talking about that too. It was like that idea of like, when's it going to be over? Right. You know, like when are you going to stop being vegan and um, doing Kundalini yoga, that kind of right, stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. I know you're into meditating now, yes. but that, that phase will be over. Right. Right. When are we going to be able to eat cheeseburgers again? It's just right. a matter of time because really it, that that's kind of the way that my addiction worked. It was like, I would stop for time for a certain amount of time and always go back. Yeah. And so, and so they're, then they go, how long do you have to go to those classes? Mm. How long do you have to go to those classes? What do you do there? Are they going to make you do arts and crafts? Are they going to make me do arts and crafts was actually a question I was asked. Because yeah. this person had been in rehab in Australia for ecstasy and apparently had to do copious amounts of arts and crafts. Art therapy, as and we know she, from our rehab As reviews. we know, and she did not enjoy it, which I don't get. Like, who doesn't love to collage? No. By the way, I just got pitched this morning, and it sounds amazing, uh, coloring books to decrease stress, and apparently it was on NBC Nightly News. I did see that, yes. It's the new thing. And I said, please send me a bunch of them so that I can do them and document if it releases my stress. (laughs) That's amazing. I would love that. Totally. I would totally do that. Um, Okay, so what stupid things, uh, Tracy, have people said to you about... I specifically remember a situation where I started a job and we all went for a happy hour, like 5.30 across the street. And, you know, that's always the worst because these people don't know that I'm sober. And, you know, it seems like the most innocuous setting in the world. You're just having a, a couple of drinks or whatever. And I, and I said, I, I, you know, I don't drink. And my friend was just like, they have to ask why. I mean, I don't know why they can't just accept that. You know, it's so rude. But they asked why. And I said, well, you know, bad things happen when I drink. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll just say, I don't drink very often. I'm not much of a drinker. And then he's oh, like, wow. yeah, I'll do, that one is really good. I'm not much of a drink. So then he's like, um, well, you could just have one. You know, just have a beer. And I'm like, no, no, it, I, you know, it, bad things happen. And then like, you know, 10 minutes went by. And then he's like, you know, you could just have a beer. And Jeez. I'm like, yeah. Just, yeah. just fuck off. Right. <laughs> it's 
so that that was that was one of the ones I, I really remember. I feel like too when you say bad things happen, it's almost like people want to know what those bad things are. Yeah. Like yeah. you're like inviting like the story. That's true. You know, because it's not you, you should know. go, I just get really boring. Yeah. <laughs> I get sleepy and I can't talk. And, you know, right. And I totally go boring. I like that. Yeah. I go Not home. untrue <laughs> in a certain way. I, you I go know, home with the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn to do that. I unfortunately go, oh, I'm sober. And, and I, because I had a terrible cocaine addiction. And, you know, <laughs> right. but I also, because they ask what you do for a living, like I have no way to avoid it. And I right. kind of hate it, you know. I feel like it's my story too. Like that's, that's my thing. Like, so as soon as someone, you know, that's my opener, no matter where I am, how inappropriate it is. Right. That's the first thing that I'm talking about. Right. I think because, you know, I, I I don't even have three years yet. So I'm still like super excited about it. And it's like my accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 40 fucking years old. And my accomplishment is that I've been sober for almost three years. And And, yeah. And there are people who who are 80 who'd love to accomplish that. Right. Right. I found that one of the worst things for me, or one of the worst situations that I had with the whole, like, I don't drink, was that I was at a really good friend's wedding, and I was at the um, uh, family table. I was in the wedding. Mm -hmm. And the way that they did it, which I've never seen before, was, like, they put us around the room, like, the the wedding party. So we weren't at, like, a table with the, the bride and groom. We were with family members. And I was sitting beside, I called her mean grandma, like, all night, because she was such a bitch. And when they, whenever they would cheers, like they would have champagne and I wouldn't drink the champagne. And she was like acting as if like I was personally like, like dooming their marriage to failure by not having a sip of champagne when it was cheer, when it was time to toast the couple. And then I, I actually like, I gave this amazing, it's like the best wedding speech I was ever written. I was like, was it recorded? Can you show it? So proud of myself. I cannot. Well, actually it's probably on the wedding video. I haven't seen and she just like would not let it go and I, finally i was just like dude like i'm sober like i don't yeah. drink like get off my back bad grandma like yeah. what the hell is your problem you know so that for me was was the was like the most intense kind of moments and it just happened to be that the um wedding planner was sober so it was mm-hmm. like like there was, it was kind of like a 911 call to get me like the fuck out of there and into my room and um that's how i escaped the wedding well that's and on you made, there, I yeah you made a fun joke about it in that piece yes and that morning the groom was threatening to leave and go to thailand and not marry her at all so i felt like that was kind of what was going to maybe end the marriage not so much my not taking a sip of champagne right yeah, I thought that that was uh, hyperbole in your piece. I didn't realize that was actually reality. That's a crazy story. And it, it's crazy that, that how much people care about whether you drink or not. Yeah. And I think we talked about last time that that's a sign usually that they might have some sort of unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I mean, she must have just been like a traditionalist or something. Yeah. Who knows? Grandma could, could have had a problem with alcohol. I have a friend who I knew for years and he and his wife would have these amazing parties and... um. And my brother became friends with them, and he said to me about the guy, he told me he doesn't trust you because you're sober. Oh, my God, that's and great. And I, ha- I hated that. <laughs> right, right, I hated right. them. And then one day I'm sitting in a meeting, and I see him walk in, and I go, oh, this is a mirage. This is the last person who would ever be sober. Right. And and then I realized it was not a mirage, and I started talking to him, and I thought, oh, he'll be gone next week. He is my closest guy friend. He's been sober, I think, four or five years I now. I love it. And, yeah. and he's like, I, I, 
probably did say that about you. Right. You know, I was so weirded out and threatened by sobriety, you know. I've said that. I said that before I was sober. Like, that I... Because I remember my first experience of the 12 steps was a friend of mine, her sister. And it was like, she could not... She couldn't go to the drugstore. Like, she couldn't buy shampoo without calling her sponsor. Right. And I, it was just creepy to me. Like, I just didn't understand. Like, I don't understand how you cannot make... And she'd been sober for a while. Like, probably five-plus years, at least. That poor sponsor. I didn't get it, you know? Yeah. So, so for me, it was kind of like, you know, I don't trust her because she doesn't trust herself. That's kind of how it felt. Yeah. Yeah, but that's weird. Yeah. I don't trust her either. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. What is it? What about you guys? Because I really don't talk to my sponsor that much. Like how? You know, it's funny because I, I wrote that piece about can you overdo it on AA recently, mm-hmm. and I and I do think that, I mean, my God, I have one of my best friends. She'll call her sponsor, you know, if she needs to wipe her ass. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like no, you know, we we didn't get sober to just you know constantly have to refer our problems to somebody else. I think it's really important that we grow up, we learn how to think for ourselves. Yeah. And you know the 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 decisions for me, the decisions that I know are the bad ones. I know I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah. But I'll call them or my friend or my sponsor just to have that you know, added advice, like, this is really stupid and you're going to pay. Right. My it usually has to do with the boy. Yeah. <laughs> my conversations with my sponsor, she doesn't talk because I go, well, da 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 and I know that what I need to do is blah, 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 and da 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 and that's, like, literally she, she just goes, work. uh-huh. Right, you uh-huh. worked it all out without mm-hmm. her saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. I will have to say that when I met this, this woman, I was, like, tweaking my ass off on methamphetamine so perhaps i felt like like maybe i was a little paranoid with how much she was talking to her sponsor oh oh, oh. okay yeah. so let's talk about your use of methamphetamines and other chemicals excellent let's talk about that so should i like hmm so okay how, does, how, how did it start? start how did it start when was the first time you did math okay so it started this way i was dating someone who designed motorcycles and um he had a high school friend this is in california he had a high school friend who was a tweaker Mm-hmm. And I'm from Canada. I didn't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. And um, that I'm sure like I kind of did some kind of research and it was one of those things where like, oh my God, if you do it once, you're hooked. And that and it seemed like something that we would never do. And I, I remember the night we were at a barbecue at a friend's house and he always had pot and he always brought the bong. He always brought the party, this, this boyfriend of mine. And he pulled out the baggie of mm-hmm. speed and put some crystals into the bong. And I just remember being like devastated. Mm-hmm. Like... I already lived with this person and we were talking about getting married and like I was like really tight with his parents and we were like putting together a guest list for our wedding and and it was just like I felt totally betrayed because not only did he do it when I kind of like was like what are you doing he kind of laughed it off and acted like oh I was making such a big deal out of nothing Mm -hmm. and and you know and I was kind of that person that was like all right if you're gonna flush our life down the toilet I'm coming like Mm -hmm. because I'm an addict Mm -hmm. because you know that's just the way that I react to the world Mm -hmm. so um I think that the next weekend I did it I had a, a friend who was a gay porn star and he was like really active in like the gay rave community so I did it with him Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of on from there. But you didn't smoke it in a bong anymore. That was just a one-time thing. I did not smoke it in the bong that first night. I was just like, oh, my God, mortified. I can't believe he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. But I did smoke speed out of the glass the glass bulb for probably six months. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I remember the last day that I did it of standing in the living room. And when you're, when you're smoking speed, it's like I feel like... Th- 
you don't go and get a new pipe because it's like the most humiliating thing ever. So you will smoke out of light bulbs. Like you'll smoke out of like a broken pipe. And I, at some point, like the bulb was broken and I was like using like whatever end I could get. And I remember one of my friends walking in the room and just the look on his face. And I was like, okay, I, this is, it's bad now. Like right. I should probably not be doing this. Plus, I was hearing voices and like crazy shit was going down. <laughs> but it was the friend's judgment. Yeah, was yeah. It was like the look on his face because honestly, it was like you don't see yourself yeah. until you see it reflected in someone else. And that's kind of how I stopped drinking too. It was like I had breast cancer. I was going through six months of chemo. Um, I was bald. I had no eyelashes. I was still pre-partying when we went out. So it would be like I'd have like a bottle of wine before we'd go somewhere because they didn't tell me to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. They just said... It's probably not a good idea that you drink too much, you know, and ended up at like the the Huntley or the Peninsula or some very shishi hotel in L.A. on the top floor, um, puking my guts out. Like apparently I was like throwing up in like a a takeout bag. I was completely blacked out. Um, I was at some point grabbing handfuls of food off of people's (laughs) plates and shoving it in my mouth. <laughs> and like literally, like I look like an alien. Like I look, cause I would put like full face of makeup on like to make myself look even crazier, like super black lips and like no, like oh it was, it was insane. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, I just, I wasn't I, yeah, I, I, I didn't remember any of it. And waking up the next day was like, did we have a good time? Like, I don't even remember coming home. And it was the first time one of my friends was like, I can't do this with you. Like, I can't watch you. And I didn't stop drinking then, but it planted the seed for me to be like, you know what? It's time. I had a a thing like that where uh, just to date how long ago this was, I was going to the premiere of There's Something About Mary. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I was, it was, you know, in Westwood. I was living in West Hollywood. So to get there and deal with traffic and parking, it was maybe like 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. And I was talking to a a guy I knew. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just doing some coke. And then I'm going to drive over there. Right, right. (laughs) And, And I remember him going, you're fucked up if you're doing that. And what's crazy is he ended up having the worst drug problem. I don't think is sober anymore. He was one that I went to dinner with. Uh, he and a porn star because I was writing a story for details on porn stars who are prostitutes. And of course. <laughs> doing some rails. And I, yeah, and we would, I remember we were at Ago and I remember we'd sit there and they'd be like, we're going to go to the bathroom. Like that thing where I'm like, you're going and you're just, you think I don't know that right. you're going to the yeah. bathroom together, a man and a woman and right. doing bumps. Like how? Yeah. Right. And, and, but it was his judgment of me. I remember that so well. Right. Going, oh, that's fucked up. Right. When, okay, so when you were doing coke and someone said, so how, when are you going to be here? Were you like, oh, I'm just doing some coke and then I'm going to get in the car and go? Like, Probably. how did that conversation Probably. go? I was so <laughs> open about it. I remember a guy I dated, uh, I remember we went to dinner and I was like, I'm a coke addict. And he's like, oh, good, I'm a, I'm a pill addict. Oh, sweet. But I've got some coke. Do you want to go back to my place and do it? Like, that's yeah. how our first date went. Yeah, yeah. Tracy? Experience, experience with the with the drugs and the dates, Be, and being the, judged. Oh yeah, def, people, def, that, that being a wake up. Well, the, the irony is that it, it was I was judged from the very beginning. You know, ten years before I got sober, I remember I was hanging out with like my she was my best friend, and she was the one that did a lot of pills, did a lot of drugs. And I was really scared of drugs because my sister became schizophrenic from doing tons of weed, which she was predisposed. But anyway, story rate, on after party. It's on after party. So um, anyway, so I, it was actually after that, um, well, I tripped out once on weed, but I, I drank and I did all, all these drugs. And my, my friend was the hardy, hardest partier I knew. 
wrote me an email and was like, I can't be around yeah. you when you're intoxicated. And I'm like, but you're the one. You're the one. <laughs> I'm always getting intoxicated. You know, and she's just such a crazy partier going to these raves and stuff. So, but it wasn't a wake up call. I, I don't know what right. was happening in my mind, but I was just like, like, I was kind of like, huh, that's yeah. interesting. And that yeah. was it. Yeah, I remember people doing those, like where they were actually concerned. This guy wasn't concerned. It right. just, it was the fact that it was just like, I, I felt un- like the, because you can write off the concern and be like, oh my, you get defensive. Right. I think, yes. I think. Right. Um, I remember a guy who I'm still friends with. We did coke all night with some other people and he drove me home at, you know, seven in the morning and he goes, you were so much cooler at the beginning of the night. Like, you oh, really like that would crush me. But he did coke all night. He was like, you something not good happens to you. You just got weird. Well, then it's, that's kind of hard to take that seriously because you're like, really, yeah. bro? Like, have you looked in the mirror? Like, he has rabbit face but and everything? But I remember it. So right. it did, you know what I mean? I Those things that you remember and you're like, why do I remember that? Okay, it must have penetrated for some reason. It's you so know? interesting because I feel like we um, we we remember those things and then we pull them out as like anecdote and then we feel bad about them all over again because I feel like that's kind of what happened last night. Okay, yeah. So wait, were you going to say something, Tracy? I saw you kind of open your mouth. I was just going to say that one time I was drunk, I beat up a bouncer. I got kicked out of the good luck bar and I just like attacked him and that was was another occurrence where people were like, you you might have a problem. Mm. Do you remember it? I do remember it. I tried to pepper spray him. It didn't, Why? The pepper spray didn't work, you guys. Those things are like faulty. I, you shouldn't have had pepper spray on you, just I to be clear. I shouldn't have. Because he, I got 86. I was pissed off. So I went into the bathroom. I was like, fuck these people. They're not kicking me out of this bar. Went to the bathroom, locked myself in. I locked myself in for like 30 minutes. And they were banging on the door. I know, it's hilarious. They were banging. I mean, I was out of my mind. Banging on the door, banging on the door. They're like, you have to get out of here. So when I, when I came out of the bathroom, I had my pepper spray cocked, and I was going to spray it in the mm. bouncer's face. Unfortunately, it sprayed way over the side. He knocked it out of my hand. Then I started punching him. And it took three people to get me off of him. Did he, he press was cute. charges? No, I don't know why he didn't he put, punch cute. me in the face. He was very cute. Um, I don't Did he know. ask you out? No, he was... He, he kept yelling, get this crazy bitch off of me. <laughs> I don't blame him. So that was my, that was my story. That's I think I drove home after that, too. That's great. great. Yeah. Those, those drives. Have you been kicked out? No, but I stories? spent my bad years alone at home doing okay. cocaine, thinking the neighbors were spying on me with binoculars. Like, that was, Love it. My, yeah. that was yeah. my social life. Yeah, I feel you. Did you get kicked out of places? I got kicked out of the strip club twice. <laughs> That's impressive. Once for getting on the stage and once for making once. out <laughs> making out with one of the strippers in like the VIP room. You get kicked well, out for that? Yeah, oh, you're, you're, not, not supposed you're not supposed to, to touch them. She should get fired, not you. Right. She liked me a lot, I thought. I don't blame her. I don't think she liked me a lot. I was like totally fell for it. You're at a fucking strip club. Yeah, of course she, she likes you a lot. You know, as long as you have 20 bucks in your pocket. Is that rude? Um, maybe she liked no, me. No, I mean, yeah. maybe she loved you. Maybe she did. Uh, you're very lo- worth you know, falling in love with. I am, I'm lovable. This is a true story. Um... I uh, went to a strip club and jumped on the thing and th- thought I should strip. And the, wo- the the manager goes, takes me aside, and she goes, "Do you come into the bathroom? Do you do coke?" And I was like, <laughs> "How did she know? I mean, this woman's a genius." So we do the coke; it's really good. And she goes, "I have more." And I go, "Oh, I don't." Did know. Did you write th- a story about this? No. This- th- check out how this story goes. Okay, okay. It's in my first book. Yeah. She goes, "Well, there's an ATM right there." So I go, "Okay, great. I I 
buy drugs off of her. She becomes one of my Your main dealer. dealers. Yes. And then I walk into rehab and there she's she sitting is. there oh and she just looks at me and she goes, I'm here because I got busted. We know each other from Temple. We don't know each other any other way. Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen her since rehab. She was not into sobriety that one. Oh my God. That is an amazing story. Yeah. My writing partner and I used to go over to her house and um, and she would tell us like that she just came up with some genius idea for a round towel because you never had to move when the sun, like stuff like that, you know? Wow. She's an entrepreneur. That's actually a good idea. I think it exists. I'm like, round towel. Can you buy those? I need that. I don't think she was the first like one to a come giant taco. It clearly didn't take off. Oh, wow. We all have them. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Those stupid towels. Yeah, that's one of the stupid things I hate like, about. As in all towels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so wait, we were at being judged. Oh, and being, being kicked judged. out. Being kicked out. Being kicked out and being judged. Like I just find it interesting that like we're so worried about being judged. Yeah. But then I know for myself that I always give people material to judge me with. It's like I'm so concerned about being judged, but I will um, provide you with whatever information you need. Which is a good segue into last night. Yes. Okay, so tell us what happened. Okay, so basically I wanted to talk about having like a overshare hangover this morning. Like it really did feel like I drank last night because I couldn't sleep and I was up at five o'clock in the morning because I went for dinner with um, a new friend that I just met. She's like a very successful writer and she's older and she's accomplished and beautiful and cultured and yada, yada, yada. So already I'm insecure and nervous to go Mm -hmm. over there. And um, I just felt like when I, 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 you know, I have mommy issues. My mom died when I was 24. And I feel like when I get in these situations where I, I want the lady to like me, I tell them the most inappropriate things. It's almost like I want them to like me so bad that I'm going to throw everything in your face to make you to see if you'll stay or what. But also, it's I used to do this on dates. It's not effective. You, it's it's, it's, a, it's a way to pretend you have intimacy before you have intimacy. Oh, yes. You force them to know intimate details. Yes, that's exactly how it felt. And at the time, it did not. Um, I think it was more like this thing where like I'm uncomfortable with silence. Yeah. So um, she would just kind of mm. sit there for a minute and then I would just jump all over her with the next thing. Yeah. You know, and then as I'm leaving, I'm like, oh my God, like I usually save at least two or three of those things mm-hmm. for, for like, meeting. not even like even a month. Like I don't usually, I usually portion those things out. Like the, 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 the person that I'm dating, mm-hmm. um, he just found out like some of that crazy shit this past weekend and we've known each other since October. Yeah. So it was just, I don't know, it was just very, very strange for me to like give all of that like everything. Like mm-hmm. Anna and I, you were talking about it. Like I usually do, I portion it out. Like mm-hmm. I give you some crazy shit, but then I like yeah. hold some back because mm-hmm. I want you to want me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that way it's going to keep you coming back, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just so weird because I got home and I just struck me like I had behaved inappropriately mm-hmm. and I couldn't sleep over it. And that's what I used to do when I would get like blackout drunk. I would wake up like at three o'clock in the morning, my eyes would open or five o'clock in the morning and be terrified of what I had done or said or who I had kissed. It was a lot of who I had kissed. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a stripper? Or not? Yeah. Yeah. That's so... Tracy, have you had the overshare hangover? You know, I I don't. I think I, I, I veer on the side of reticence. Like if I'm sitting with somebody I don't know and, you, and I, I totally am uncomfortable with silence, but I'll just sit there like a mute... And then I'll make dumb comments about the weather. And then it's like in that piece I wrote about social anxiety. I just right. make an idiot out of myself. Although 
Um, you know, I've, I have to say I've had good experience. Like I, 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 okay. When I, when I really bottomed out, I ended up having to prostitute myself. It wasn't something that lasted a really long time. Oh should God. I not be saying that on here? No, you should be, you should be <laughs> writing about it for the site. That's I all know. I can think. The only reason why I, I hijacked my podcast. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, Tracy can drop some bombs. I'll I know that. that is a bomb. I mean, I, 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 um, my God, my family would die, but you no, know, no, it's no, my no. grandmother that I'm worried about, but she'll be okay. Do they listen to after party pod? No. Okay. They don't listen to after party pod. Um, what was I going to say about that? So, but like I currently, I keep talking about my current boyfriend won't go into the details about that, but he found out he just doesn't give a shit and yeah. he's yeah. the most like stable, normal person. He's like, ah, oh, that was in the past. You know, a lot of guys I think would freak out. So I've had very, and my roommate who's also a normie, like I told her about it and she's just like, eh. Yeah. So it's weird. Like I just don't have a bad experience. Now I'm more scared to talk about like the 5150s and the psych units and mm-hmm. stuff like that, crazy but shit. they're really crazy yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. The suicide attempts, mm-hmm. the blood on the rug. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't let that out of the bag right away. But I do love how open you are about it in writing. You know, every, t- every time I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but like, and I don't mean this. I, was, I, I just think that like when I hear these stories, and mine's dark as hell too, mm. but just like, just like that we're all walking around smiling. Like you're the most charming, light girl. You know what I mean? Um, it's interesting that you would say that because that's what she said. That's what like my dinner companion said. Mm-hmm. She's like, you don't seem like, do you, do you feel like wrong or off or crazy? Because mm-hmm. that's always where I go. It's mm-hmm. like, when am I, when am I going to go crazy? Mm-hmm. It's about time. So, you know, well, and like we talked about, I have this cake. Okay, you're like, I'm trying to figure out if I'm depressed. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the conversation we got in. And she was like, you don't, do you feel depressed now? And yeah. I'm like, it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm all like bright eyed and bushy tailed. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like I, that's still like such a complete disconnect for me. What's, my therapist said this to me recently, you know, that I walk in and I'm like, I'm upset about this. I'm depressed about this. And she's like, what, what you don't understand. Like you think you're so bad because you have so much awareness about it. She's like, I have people who come in here all the time and they seem great. And they go, I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. But they seem great and they yeah. don't know why. Right. Anyway, yeah. you're not like that. They, see, that's that's what she was saying too. And so I'm like, okay, I'm comforted by that. But at the same time, I feel like I, uh, it, things aren't happening fast enough for me, I think, in my sobriety. It's like I feel lazy. I feel um, tired all the time. Like walking up the stairs to my apartment sometimes feels like my legs weigh like 400 pounds. So I'm like, is that depression? Like, I don't know. Like, I've had an eating disorder for like 15 years, and I really feel like people with food issues and body issues have a complete disconnect between what's going on in their head and what's going on in their body. It's so interesting. Do you have eating issues, Tracy? Oh, I had I had an eating disorder. I would I would say it was full blown in high school and in college, where I stuffed my face. I tried to be bulimic. I, I could not. Very have. ineffective way to be thin, from mm. what I hear. Yeah, I couldn't. I did it once, and it was just so dis. Are you bulimic? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so disgusting. Yeah. I just, it like really took too much out of me. So I, I was like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 pounds heavier in college. Um, I got over that. The antidepressants really helped with my binge eating. It just, I I don't know. Or or even when I do do it, it's like, yeah, who cares? You know, it just took away the like, it's like, I don't know. I was so psychotic over how much I weighed. But um, what was, oh, the first thing I was thinking when you said you couldn't get up the stairs was what's your diet like? Are you deficient in any vitamins, exercise, stuff like that? 
I mean, I'm terrible with that, but. Interesting that you would say that because she was like, do you think that you have an iron deficiency? And I was like, hmm, I did not think about that, but I don't eat things with faces. Like I rarely eat red meat. So mm-hmm. that's quite possible. I, eat, I do eat a shit ton of kale because this is Los Angeles. How could you be unhealthy if you don't? Well, I guess the protein <laughs> you need. Right. But yeah. Protein. Peanut so, butter. So I, I, I don't, you know, um, I feel like the, the, the whole bulimic thing, um, it was like my way of like torturing myself mm. for so long because it was so hard and it was like, you know, it's brutal, like the, on the system. brutal on the system. And so that was another segue into using speed because right. yep. then I stopped wanting to eat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember one night saying to a friend trying to justify why I was staying home to do Coke and I was just like, well, I won't eat. I'll be thinner tomorrow. Mm. Um, and, and she was like, oh, okay. She was an alcoholic. She's now right. sober. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have, I, I, it's kind of like, I can't believe I've never had panic attacks and I can't believe I've never had an eating disorder. Like those seem like things I would have. Mm. Uh, You're so thin naturally. It's wonderful. Well, well, bless you. You know what I am is an exercise addict. Yes. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It, it doesn't not work for me. Right. Like it, 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 I need it for my serotonin. I can tell the difference when I don't. Like, I really do get the fact that like breeds like. So if you're a slothful, you're going to remain slothful. And if you're active, you're going to remain active. And Mm -hmm. and, because I see it happen with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to my uh, general practitioner. I was like, I wonder if I'm depressed. And I was like explaining it to him. And he's like, I think you just need to get off your ass. Right. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like, be that way. Well, procrastination is a major characteristic. Tracy, you are not a procrastinator. Yeah, you are not a procrastinator. I don't want to hear it. A million words a week. You can't even comment on that one. I don't want to hear it. Do you believe you're a procrastinator? Oh my God, I believe I'm horribly lazy and a horrible procrastinator. Wow, that's alcoholism. Because, well, sometimes I'll wait. Like, I know some things do. And I and I'm like, well, I have sleeping problems too. So I'll like I'll like stay up and then I'm sleeping during the day and I can't focus to write. And then it's like ten o'clock and I'm like, I need to get these articles done. Why the hell is it ten o'clock? Oh, let me let me step in and watch the voice with my roommate. You know, so I do do those things. Yeah, but you still get it done. Like I, I found that when you said Anna, um, well, if you're gonna write something, then you just you just write on the dock. You know when it's gonna be due. Like yeah. When you think, and I'm like, that is so not gonna work for me. <laughs> like you have to tell me when it's due. Like no, oh, no take backs, no change change these. Like good, I need good to, to know. know your next story is due tomorrow. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's called the drop dead deadline. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we it's don't help- have them around here. Well, you yeah. wouldn't because it's not print. I know that sometimes it help- helps me when you, you know, when you write print. It's got to go to the press. What are you going to do? Gotta I, get it I in. turned in like every book like two months early. I am, I am <laughs> so anal yeah. and you know obsessive and weird like that. That's you awesome. know. Oh, that reminds me. What characteristics of alcoholism that you hear about all the time do you not relate to? Because that's mine that I'm like a procrastination. I don't relate to that. Do you, like you hear people talk yeah. about, oh, alcoholism is blah, blah. Like, do you relate to every single characteristic you've ever heard? Why don't you take that one, Tracy? Okay. Absolutely not. I feel so strongly about, and, and you know, I, I just Oh, feel and very, you did write about this. Yeah. I feel very, in my, in my article about can you overdo it on AA, I feel very strongly that alcoholism is something that propels you to drink and drink and drink and drink and that's about it I um you know uh so like my fear my neuroses it's just that those are things that I've seen in so many people who aren't alcoholics or don't have an addiction so Mm -hmm. I just call it fear and neuroses Mm -hmm. and that's about it but do you have things that you hear people talk about where you go that is not me no, I, I, I think anything 
anything that has to do with controlling other people, although I think that's more of an Al-Anon thing, mm-hmm. but I definitely don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so some of the control issues. What about, yeah, caring about other people's feelings before? I, I don't relate to that. I don't relate to that at all. Okay. I'm opposite in Al-Anon. I piss off a lot of my friends because I don't call them back, and I, I you know, it's a problem. Um, wait, <laughs> Amanda, do you have characteristics you hear about that you don't relate to? That I don't relate to? That are supposed characteristics of alcoholism. Um, no. Alcoholism. I feel like I have all of them, mm-hmm. that I am a procrastinator. Actually, no, I don't care about other people's feelings before mine. But so that is Alanon, I think, more. Okay. Because that would be the only one. Because I feel like all of the all of the um, shortcomings, but I feel similar to Tracy in that I feel like those are human things. They're not alcoholic things. So I don't know about whenever I say alcoholic brain, I feel like the, it's just that we drink over them. It's mm-hmm. human brain. We just drink over those things. Yeah, I just think the volume's turned up really high, but it's the yeah. same stuff everybody yeah. has. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's a good way of looking yeah. at it. Yeah, that's true. But, but I also believe a lot of that is parenting. Yes. Know. Yeah. How you were parented. I, well, I'm glad you brought. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I I think it absolutely has to do with so many ways that we turn out. I've noticed it with people in the rooms. Like, my, I didn't have a perfect upbringing, but I did have really supportive parents. You had B plus parents because you just B, read about it. That's true. I just wrote a story about B plus parents. I mean, they encouraged me so much to use my mind to go to school to make something of myself, and it's like that. That is a driving force. Now, maybe it's to excess and excess, but. Um, I don't know. I think I think I think that that helped me. You know, I don't I don't know. Helped me something. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of that yeah. because I did not have that. I did not. I was not encouraged in that way. You know, my mom killed herself. I have a cousin, an aunt, an uncle that all committed suicide. Um, have an uncle who like murdered a couple people. Same one who committed suicide or a different? No, one? different. So. So it's like, you know, my mom has seven brothers and sisters and we have just like rampant, like absolute craziness. But not alcoholism. It was mental illness. Um, Mental illness. And then I feel like my mom, like closer to the end of her life and my dad, my stepdad would never admit this, but that she was drinking heavily. I think she was. I have an aunt who agrees with that consensus, who's also a self proclaimed alcoholic who still drinks Mm -hmm. because like in my you know I quit drinking she quit drinking for a while but in my hometown I'm Canadian it's a small town and like meetings are so depressing like everyone is just you can just tell it's like they're They're older and not funny they do not want to be where they are at you know um so it was just like I feel like that part is like overcoming that part of that like kind of being damaged um was very pre like knowing I was damaged was a very prevalent theme in my childhood. Right. And and I do think that the uh, you know the reason people with mentally ill parents get screwed twice is they've got the genetics which is why the parents are mentally ill right. and not great parents. Right. Often. Right. You know. Yeah. And then you're getting the kind of like slipshod parenting. Yeah. I come from party years too. It's like my parent. I can remember like like going to the cottage and um, they had this. They'd have a teapot, like an antique teapot, and they would just pour all the booze into the teapot, and then they would run around the fire and pour it into each other's mouths and yell, "Cup of tea." <gasps> In British accent? In, in British accent. That was my shit, British, British accent. But yeah, in British accent. So like that was how like I knew that like getting drunk was like the bomb. I, like I just could not wait to do it. That's so interesting. My my dad is a, a, I mean, a gambling addict and probably a sex addict, an alcoholic, like wow. beyond repair, this man. Wow. Mentally ill in a way you can't imagine. And um, when I got sober, 
he decided to go to AA too. Like it was all so crazy. But oh, so so I and he would get DUIs and stuff like that. So but it never looked fun. But weirdly, my parents are divorced and remarried um, to each other. You know what I mean? Oh, um, it's crazy. they're they're remarried to each other. Yeah, that's like in that movie Chef. I didn't think that stuff really happened. Oh, uh, my grandparents, my mom's parents, were divorced and remarried to each other three times. Shut up. There's something kind of cute about yeah. that. Nothing cute about my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing cute at all. But oh, but my mom's got a cost a lot of money. Okay. That they just like smoked pot. Like she's the least addicty alcoholic person in the world, and like they just smoked pot. My dad got it from his trainer. Like it's all so weird. That is amazing. Um, What's your mom like? My she's mom's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Mm, like, sense. yeah, just brilliant, funny, loving. Um, like I was just with her last week, like just, I lucked out I mean, there's stuff. There's always stuff. There's always stuff. But always our stuff. relationship now is amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think one parent can make up yeah. or sort of for the yeah. other. That's, you know, and I wouldn't know that about you because yeah. you, you do present, you do present very right. well, very yeah. well, right. really yeah. well. And sometimes that's, that can work against you. Can I just tell you my therapist even says that? Like, mm-hmm. I'm surprised at how together you actually are. It is surprising. And I'm like, yeah. honestly. Brown chicka brown Yeah. 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 And there's just no self-pity around, you know, having had cancer. Yeah. And... Because it's, well, how can you? It's like, I remember when, like, being diagnosed and people saying, oh, you're so brave. And it's like, I don't understand why. Yeah. Because it wasn't like I chose it. I wasn't like, hey, give me the cancer because then people will know how brave I am. Like, what the fuck do you do? Like, of course I'm brave, you know? I remember walking into, like, a skate shop and the girl that was working the desk asked me if I had cancer because she was bald too. And she had had breast cancer and she had no health insurance. So she only had one breast. And she was like the most rad looking chick I have ever seen. And she was just kind of like, yeah, I have one boob. Like you, one day I'll get it another one. Like I'll get it replaced. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a faulty, like a tire missing or something. And I'm like, that is fucking brave. Mm-hmm. Like what I did, like going to Cedars and getting the best doctors and the best, best plastic surgeons. Like that to me wasn't brave. That was just kind of like lucky. But in terms of self-pity being a characteristic of alcoholism, that is what I relate oh, to. Oh, okay, yeah. I feel like I don't, I'm pretty good with that. That's amazing. But I'm That's also, why you're not depressed. Well, I'm also really good at being, being uh, not the victim, but maybe it is the victim, but I'm thinking the patient. Because, you know, part of my story is also getting drunk at Havasu and jumping out of a boat and hitting my head on a rock and breaking my neck in three places <gasps> and ending up in a halo. So I wore a cervical halo for four months. So I'm very comfortable as the patient. Like, I'm very comfortable being taken care of. Like, that's a role that I take very well in my life. So it's almost a relief, I think, to, to, to legitimately need to be caretaken. So that's some kind of fucked up codependency shit, right? I don't know. You're lucky I mean, you didn't I'm end depressed. up a paraplegic. So the thing was that where my breaks were that I would have suffocated because it would have, um, what is it, uh, paralyzed my breathing apparatus and I would have died. That didn't happen. Oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, no. T- I definitely relate to the self-pity. I, I think one of the reasons why, not to talk about A, but I, I do think one of the reasons why it works for me is I do resonate so much. I am so full of self-pity and, like, indignance and defiance. Like, you know, and, and I have to say, like, in sobriety, that's, that's something that I've become aware of, and, mm-hmm. it, and it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. To be, just be aware of it. Yeah. 
I was going to say, like, I, I think it's so interesting because, you know, they, they tell us in the program that you're supposed to say, stay single for like the first year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like going on two years and I'm in this relationship. And I feel like, like you were just saying, like you're mirrored off of like other addicts when you're in AA. And I feel like this relationship is doing that for me. It's like, it's mirroring back to me, uh, my, my defects or like mm-hmm. who I am and the things I want to fix. And it's helping me to like, love that, like kind of damaged, broken part of myself which i think happens too in the rooms it's like we can we have we have limitless compassion for other people that we don't have for ourselves Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a super exciting thing that's happening to me right now Mm -hmm. it's like i look at this person i'm just like oh my god like you are so self-absorbed and so selfish Mm -hmm. and you always get like the big piece of cake (laughs) because that's me Mm -hmm. and it's okay and i can finally like give the person the other person the big piece of cake Mm -hmm. and i think that is such a rad discovery in my sobriety yeah i had a very similar thing with this um the last person i dated where it became this thing where like just this is a random example but i he never came over it was always me going to his Mm -hmm. place and i've always been so selfish that i liked it i was like i can be the bigger person right (laughs) right right. i have a little bit of that totally yeah 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 it's like when people ask me to drive them to the airport. I'm like, you thought I would be that selfless? Okay, it feels good. It feels good. I'm serious. I agree with you. That's I will worse. drop people off. I will not pick those motherfuckers oh, up. That's the worst. Yeah. That's not no happening. Big deal. Oh, really? Good oh, to know. Yeah. Oh, Never yeah. been there. Oh, best airport ever. What? Tracy's nodding emphatically. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Yes, I've I've done the airport thing for for so long. But yes, Burbank is easy easiest pie unless it's around the holidays. Good to know. Even then. I'm glad that we're um, really getting into the Burbank. Like, so relevant. You know, I'm just, like, segueing, like, all over the place. Like, oh, that's interesting that you say that about your mom. I'm going to bring that back to, like, AA in the 70s. (laughs) But that's how it goes. You know what's funny about that is never has a person ended, left this podcast. You didn't, Tracy, last week, but said that was terrible. Like, they were like, I was terrible. It's like the most, talk about an alcoholic you know, characteristic. Wasn't I awful? I was amazing. Yeah, you're saying it already. And people are always amazing. I have not had a terrible guest. And that is just, I'll do that sometimes with like TV stuff where I just go, God, that was awful. And then I go, well, they keep asking you back. Right. Possibly my perspective is off. Right, Mm -hmm. right. You know? It's, you know, I didn't, I I still haven't, I did, I have done one other podcast. Ah, yeah, lady who works here. have still not listened to it. Interesting. Because I feel like I sound a little bit like Kermit the Frog. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I'm a little nasally. No, you're not. Come on. And I was totally unprepared and I did the thing. I did the oversharing thing. So I was totally like going off on tangents and I was like so embarrassed because, you know, Mary Patterson was trying to ask me about like my book and like she was kind of trying to like kind of steer it in a way that could be like possibly something good for my career. And I just wasn't grabbing it. You know? Well, this, if, if, if anyone listening, uh, if this matters with them, you're, you're one of the best writers ever. It's true. It's absolutely true. And she says that about everyone. I do no, I agree. Not, I, but no, I do I, not. I, 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 I and you're, you're working on a book. Yes. So should we talk about that? Uh, yeah, we can quickly talk about that because the book that I'm working on is right now, like in, it's, it's like loose leaf pages around my studio apartment. Mm. Um, but the story is about me breaking my neck and basically, um, how we learn what it means to be broken, how as people we learn to, that it's just a human condition, that being broken is a human condition and how we learn to love ourselves when 
the people that are supposed to love us the most abandon us. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom killed herself uh, when I was 24 and I broke my neck when I was 28. And it was kind of Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like how do you learn to love yourself when the person that's supposed to love you like unconditionally forever leaves? Yeah. You know? But it's also like, it's so it's this really dark, heavy material, but it's also this love story to my best friend in the whole world who was there for everything for me. You know, he was the first phone call I made from the hospital and he was the one who like got me out of bed and like helped me brush my teeth. And he was the one that took care of me when I was in my halo. And ultimately I had to let go of that friendship because he was married and we were grownups and it was time to move on. It was kind of like, um, it's kind of like a darker version of that, like you, me and Dupree movie with, I never saw it, but it's like Kate Hudson and, and you, blah, blah, blah. Um, where you kind of have to, you know, what can we expect from the people that love us and the people that we love? Like, where are the boundaries? Cause I had no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and I was totally, I, I look back on it and I think, God, I was like somewhat unlovable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he still was like there for me no matter right. what, you know, right. I, what do you think about those people? Like I was wholly unlovable back when I had, you know, boyfriends that, you know, wonderful men. And I'm like, were they just completely codependent when I was not sober? Mm. Were they, did they just have that? I want to save her thing because totally, I totally I think that was not deserving of that love as I see it now. So interesting because I just wrote an essay about shame and how I was like obsessed with what we deserve. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like I deserved to, um, have the mom who killed herself. Like what, what did I do to deserve that? Mm-hmm. I don't deserve to be the motherless daughter. I don't deserve to, it, the, the essay is actually about like a fucked up boob job that I got before my breast cancer. <gasps> so it was like, I don't deserve these fucked up tits. And I didn't deserve the dead mom, but I also didn't deserve the like doting boyfriend who just wanted me to be happy, mm-hmm. you know? And I did conversely feel like I deserved breast cancer because of all the fucked up shit I did to myself. And it was like, you know, um, I don't think that we deserve anything because I don't think that babies deserve to die from weird blood diseases and people don't deserve to starve to death. And my mom didn't deserve to end up in the fucking garage with the motor running. We don't deserve anything. What we get is, is this like grace, whether we believe in spirituality or God or whatever, it's like we get we get these situations that we don't deserve. Right. You know, um, I didn't deserve to get cancer, but I also didn't deserve to find it so quickly and have it out in within a month and like, but that's and be attitude. fine. I mean, I do think, what do you think about deserving and all of that? Tracy? Well, I have, I have very like, I, I personally believe that, that the universe is just complete chaos. And nothing right. happens for a reason. Atheist. We got here. Yeah, we got, okay. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that, you know, I've had somebody who's, okay, I I knew somebody who was sick, and people would say, why did that have to happen to you? And she would say, well, why not to me? Because it happens to all sorts of people. But um, I definitely don't think anybody deserves, there's no way in hell you deserve something bad to happen to you. I think the people on Wall Street deserve to have something bad to happen Mm -hmm. to them. But outside of that, it's like, no, you know, this is just, it seems to me that what happens on this planet is is totally absurd and a complete crapshoot. So do you believe in karma? Is that no, saying? I don't no. believe in karma. Okay. I really don't. I mean, I believe in the in the legitimacy of cause and effect, mm-hmm. and I think that when you have a, when you take an action, you're going to have consequences. Right. And some people seem to escape those. They sure do, right? They sure do. <laughs> My feeling on that is, you know, I 
I believe that uh, everything happens the way it's meant to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that or if I just know I feel better believing it, so right. I choose to believe yes. it. Um, I also believe in terms of God or higher power doing things for people that it's like horoscopes. If you believe it's true for you, it's true Ooh, for you. Right. And it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like a psychic reading. Mm-hmm. Do you believe it? Well, you know, it can happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this everything happens for a reason stuff is, I was just talking to my friend at breakfast about that, is it's like, it takes some more, you know, when I had a terrible year and what came after that was the best year of my life and it was because I was grateful every day yeah. for what I had because of what I hadn't had. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there is a reason, but like, well, does God want me to suffer? I guess sometimes. Right. You know, and in terms of what you said earlier, Amanda, about it's not happening fast enough is, you know, the, the lesson, you know, all God wants to teach me is patience over right. and over and over again. Right. Nothing happens right. fast enough. Right. Oh, absolutely. I just feel like I, the, the, especially because I'm someone who used for so long, you know, I had my first drink when I was 12 and I had my last drink when I was like 37 or 38. Mm-hmm. And in between that, there were eating disorders and cigarettes and sex and the chronic exercise and the, you know, uh, drugs, you know, tons of drugs. This is the only, I always would say the only place I drew the line was like sticking a needle in myself. Not true. Cause I did growth hormone for like quite some time. Yeah. Sorry. Needles gross me. Yeah. So, um, do those work? Does growth hormone work in terms of thin? It's yes, absolutely. It bad, does. bad thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, they give it to AIDS patients because they are wasting. You know, they they're wasting away. So growth hormone helps them to retain muscle and decrease body fat and makes your skin. It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's the shit. Where it's the shit. It? It's very. You can get it from AIDS patients that are selling it to buy other drugs, which is where we got ours. Wow. Um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like I lost so much time and I look at people like with regards to success and even I feel maybe I was triggered a little bit last night with this woman mm-hmm. who's like, it's like all these like really, really, um, you know, accomplishments, a lot of accomplishments under her belt and friends that are coming out with books and, and, it, and I just feel like I lost so much time already that it helps me to to go to Shauna Mahan's um, book party last week and she's 50 and it's her first book right, and right. I love that because right. it's just like oh my god it can happen it can still happen yeah and remembering that it happens in time like we all have our, our own turn. time yeah it's all our have our own timeline um yeah that's one of the hardest things for me that is one of the hardest things for me um is is comparing myself to somebody who's accomplished something a lot younger than me and i'm constantly fearing that i'm wasting time and somebody said you know life isn't a parking lot it's not like somebody's going to take my spot you know and i personally think writers get we get seasoned as we get older you know we're like wine i mean it get, yeah. not to bring up wine but we get better with age are you untriggered <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the thing about, what well, doesn't matter. I was, the thing about, yeah, I'm not even going to say the depressing thing about writing, but I used to be yeah, don't, consumed. Don't talk about not writing books. By, I mean, you know how negative I am yeah. about it, but consumed by jealousy about other people's books doing better than mine. And, you know, and then I would go, you know, I'm so jealous, I'm so jealous. And then I'm like, well, people are jealous. Like, if I looked at my life, I'd be jealous. Exactly. So, so it's absolute madness. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, and, and but uh, but I, it, how close do you think compare and despair is to jealousy? Do you think it's the same thing? I think for me, the issue is that I 
I just I don't even care about like the book. It's that I don't write every day. It's it, like that's oh, what I want. It's the process. Up. Yeah, and it's like I am so jealous of people that are engaged in the process because I'm not doing that. Like honestly, like I feel like I am just kind of treading water, and I and I think about it. You know, I don't even like to talk about the book because it's been so long since I've actually like worked on it that I feel like I'm an imposter. And I think that's where it comes from. It's just like, I don't, I just want to be writing. Mm-hmm. I want to be finding the joy in the writing and I not even doing that. So what a horrible human being I am. I'm mm-hmm. going to hell. And it took me years. I've gone through, I go through such awful spurts, like where I won't write. I mean, I didn't write for, for three or four years when I was working in these kitchens. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, and I know in early sobriety, I couldn't write anything nothing so I know I feel like I've really kind of caught a groove like I've a a little after five five years but it just I I believe personally that it's going to come when it comes and hmm, that's yeah kind of an innuendo but it will you know I I believe I believe that because you're a writer you have it in you yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, I think so I um I remember in rehab sitting there and I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to write again. Because all I did when I did coke by myself was think the neighbors were spying on me and uh, jump whenever I heard a noise right. yeah, yeah. and write. Yeah. And by write, I mean revise. I was writing scripts, then revise one line of a screenplay over and over and over again. Right. I mean, for <laughs> like three or four years. I was in a writing workshop, and we had to like the the we had an assignment where we were supposed to submit like our first hundred pages. It was like put together like your first draft, like make it look as professional as possible. And I was just like, oh my god, I can't do this. And I was freaking out. And it was like my eating disorder was like like at the, I was puking all over the place, and I just like smoking cigarettes, just trying to sit there and finish. And my writing instructor was like great that means it's good like keep going and don't I find my um someone who I was in a relationship with and living with um his his stash is like maybe two eight balls like not even just one like Mm -hmm. of coke and he wasn't supposed to be doing drugs he promised me he wasn't doing drugs so I'm like I can literally take half of this and he will not say anything because mm-hmm. he's not supposed to be using. Mm-hmm. So I took half and I wrote 40 pages. I stayed up that whole night and it's it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And since I've been sober, I haven't had that kind of... And the pages are good. I know people say the pages are shit. The pages were good and I can still use them. Did you ever try doing that again? No. I had that experience where I wrote a spec for a TV show I'd never seen and it was good. And yeah. I thought, you know, and then that's what I tried to repeat for three or four years. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Stops I didn't working. do that. I'm like okay. time three. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Quickly. I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I have been struggling in sobriety to find my voice. Not my voice because I know my voice is there, but the drive the to tap into it, to like, to feel like I'm interesting. Because before I got sober, I thought I was the most interesting motherfucker that ever lived you know like look at my story it's so interesting and i'm like so unique and then you walk into the rooms and it's like oh my god like these i'm not yeah but not everybody in the rooms can tell a story yeah okay, in fact most of it and, and then tell a story on paper right so and you're you convey that very very well right. and you're articulate yeah i mean i don't think it's about the story we have i think it's about you know how, how we tell it okay right you know okay we got to wrap up so you can get out of here i think i have to go to my psychiatrist (laughs) Um, i i i um what was i gonna say well nothing except that this has been a delight isn't it fun to have a three-way yeah i love it when you go with four though you split off 
Just saying. Oh, no innuendo there. Um, okay, delightful, wonderful. Okay. Did that, you all hear that? Technically an orgy. Oh, when you go to and somebody pointed Four. that out to me when I said I had a foursome. Oh, next story. Oh, next next, next story. time I'm yeah. here. Foursomes. All right, you guys, that was the after party pod with Amanda Fletcher and Tracy Chabala. Do you like this new format? Two on one. Can you tell the voices apart? That's always an issue, isn't it? With things you can't see. Anyway, keep listening, keep sending email, keep reviewing. Love you. Thank you. Next time. <laughs>